0: Well, it was uh, 18 years ago uh, that missionaries Jim and Ronnie Bowers and their adopted children were shot down in this airplane that you just saw over the Amazon River. It was a CIA anti-drug operation that went horribly wrong, and Peruvian jet fighters shot their plane down by mistake. Ronnie and the baby that you see here Along with Jim and Corey, Ronnie and the baby were killed instantly as a bullet passed through both of them. Jim and Corey survived the fiery crash along with the pilot and all three were rescued. These were missionaries that our former church supported and the funeral was held in the Muskegon area. So we went to the funeral where Jim gave his testimony. One thing Jim said that stuck with me, and I have never forgot it, he said it was a sovereign bullet that killed Ronnie and seven-month-old Charity. Now think about that. Sovereignty means God controls all things. Even a bullet shot by accident, and he directed that bullet. The title of the book uh, about their life story is, If God Should Choose. And many people have a hard time with that thought. They say, this was God's plan? Are you kidding me? A horrible mistake that took two lives and severed a missionary family? And the answer is, God controlled and He directed that bullet. Now God is not responsible for the errors of the pilot and the gunner who mistakenly shot them down. But He controlled their actions to accomplish His purposes for this family and for their ministry. And as the title of the book says, God chose this suffering for the bowers to go through. And we ask ourselves the question, why? Well, the Bible says it is God's plan for all of us to go through suffering, every single one of us. Let's read again the passage that was read for us earlier, and let's read it together responsively. Romans 5, 1 to 4. Join me. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, trials, also knowing that tribulation or trial works patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. I want you to notice that this passage is saying we not only go through sufferings, but we actually rejoice in them. The word rejoice here is a very important word. It means actually to boast or to brag. Not in a haughty way, not in a proud way, but in a confident way. A way that says, this is a fact and I am confident of it. I'm not a victim of circumstance. I am a victor over circumstance. Do you know Jim had that confidence? Overnight he became internationally famous and many speaking engagements came in to him. He represented the Lord very well and he now is remarried and continuing his missionary work. Can you and I have the same confidence? Can we boast in the midst of our suffering? Well, that's what this passage says. And you recall last week as we looked at this question, Can We Rejoice in Trials, that we saw two answers that are given in these verses. God is for believers as a friend. He's not against us as an enemy, so we can rejoice in our sufferings. God's friendship is permanent. It guarantees our future hope, so we can rejoice in our sufferings. And now today we see the third answer, God's guaranteed hope is made stronger, not weaker, by our suffering. Think about that. The sufferings you go through, if you respond to them in the right way, God's guaranteed hope that He has saved you for will make you stronger, not weaker. Now, this morning, we are going to spend our time looking together at what has been called the suffering cycle. The suffering cycle. And Paul introduces in verses 3 and 4 a cycle that every Christian should get to know very, very well. We're going to piece this in together this morning. It's called the suffering cycle. And every Christian here today will not go through this once but many, many times. God will choose some of us to go through it in very devastating ways, like Jim and Ronnie Bowers. Others of us will go through it in smaller ways. God measures out the suffering as he knows each one of us needs. And here's what we must understand. The more we know about this cycle and how God uses it, the better prepared When suffering comes. Let's open our Bibles for just a moment to this passage again. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 to 4. And I want you to notice something that's very important. It says we rejoice in our sufferings, not in spite of them or despite them. Did you notice that? We glory, it says, or we rejoice in our sufferings. Verse 3. That is a very shocking statement. Suffering is actually a cause for Christian rejoicing. Many years ago, the well-known pastor Alexander McLaren said this, "...the highest joy to the Christian almost always comes through suffering." Think about that. The highest joy to the Christian almost always comes through suffering. Now, the non-believer sees suffering as destructive. Destructive of their plans, their possessions, their health, their enjoyment of life. But the believer, knowing this passage, sees suffering as coming from a good friend. And if it comes from a good friend, it comes with great purpose. And we rejoice in that. So let's look at these stages. Stage number one is suffering. Look at verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Now the word sufferings here means pressing or pressure. It's talking about the pressures and troubles that afflict us as we live in this age on our way to the celestial city in heaven. You know what's interesting? The word tribulation in our English language comes from the Latin word tribulum. You know what a tribulum was? Let me put it on the screen for you. A tribulum was a heavy piece of timber that was studded with stone spikes and it was used in threshing grain. Here's an image of what farmers would do with the tribulum As they sought to thresh grain and remove the chaff from the grain. Now our word suffering also means squeezing. It means crushing. Can any of you imagine being underneath this tribulum? Can you imagine being under there? Being pressed. Being squeezed. Being crushed. Isn't that what the trials of life often feel like? Don't they? Not only are they painful to us, but they bring emotional pressure, emotional exhaustion, emotional struggle. See, here's what God knows. God knows every single one of us have, has chaff in our lives that is worthless and needs to be threshed. How many of us here today would dare to raise our hand and say, I have no chaff in my life, I am all pure grain. How many of us would even dare to raise our hands and say that? Of course not. A thousand times no for every one of us. Each one of us has much worthless, fruitless chaff in our lives and it needs removing. And God knows one of the most effective ways to eliminate that chaff is to put us under the squeezing and the pressure of the tribulum we need to be squeezed and crushed and pressed so that the chaff is shaken loose and shaken out of our lives and so the suffering cycle it begins with suffering notice stage 2 here in verse 3 not only that but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces Endurance. Endurance. Now fasten on that word endurance for a moment. That means resistance to pressure. It literally means bearing up when the pressure comes in our lives. All of us know this, that if suffering creates pressure, endurance resists pressure, right? If suffering creates pressure, endurance against that pressure creates resistance. And what the Apostle Paul is saying to us then is this. We must do something as we're under that tribulation. We don't give in to it. We don't sigh and submit as someone defeated in our lives. Or worse yet, we don't give up on God and turn away from obedience to His will. You see, when the Bible talks about endurance, what it means is maintaining conviction and action towards God in the midst of opposition. It is a steady following the Lord Jesus and doing the good that He calls us to do, even though we are under that pressure. We are resisting that pressure by following the Lord Jesus in spite of it. You know what? When resistance meets pressure, it creates strength. I think we all know that. And so what happens is we become stronger in our commitment to God. We all know that trees that are where there are high winds sink deeper roots into the ground. And so those trees that are buffeted by high winds, because their roots go deeper into the ground, they can withstand much more than trees that don't have deep roots. And the same is true with you and me. When we dig our roots deep down into God, despite the suffering, what it does is it creates spiritual strength. When I was just a a, a very little tyke, not able to even know what was going on in my family. My dad was without steady work for about two years and he had a family with five children. Many years later, he said to me, he said, your your mother was concerned during those two years, but she never complained. She never complained. And here's what happened. My dad, during those two years, maintained the same Christian walk that he had always had. He studied his Bible. He continued coming to church. He served in ministry. There was no slackening of his love for God. And people in his church saw that, and one day a friend came to my dad, and this is what he said to him. He said, If I was in your shoes, I would be so discouraged, I'd be slacking off in my relationship with God. But what was my dad doing? He was enduring. He wasn't giving up. And as a result, he grew stronger. And I want to say to you today as I think about that, I'm so glad that he did. Because I needed a strong dad. Not a weak dad who could not handle the issues of life. More than that, I needed a dad who believed that God was sufficient for every trouble that would come His way. And even more than that, I needed a dad who followed God not just in the easy times, but in the hard times. And here was, here's what God was doing with my dad. He was toughening him up. That's what he was doing. He made him strong so that he could face the problems of life undefeated. And God, according to His Word, is doing the very same with you and with me. Let me ask this simple question this morning. What trial are you going through right now? If we could just pause and have a little testimony meeting and you could stand and say, this is the suffering that I'm going through right now. This is the pain in my life. Here's what the Bible is saying. God is allowing you to go through that pain that He might make you strong and not weak. His goal is to make you sturdy and not feeble. Because if you are feeble, weak, and spiritually flimsy, you will be no good to yourself, and you will be no good to anyone else around you. And God understands that. God knows that. And so He says to us, I have you in the suffering cycle, not once, not twice, many times throughout your life, in small ways and in big ways, He will put us under the tribulum, measuring out exactly as we need, that we might learn to endure and to grow strong and to face the difficulties and problems of our life, not running away, but trusting in God when that happens, there's a third stage in this suffering cycle. Number three, suffering leads to endurance, and endurance leads to character. Did you notice that? Verse four, and endurance produces character. This is a very interesting word, very important word. Character here is a word that referred to something that was approved as a result of tests and trials. It was actually used of a metalsmith who would refine gold and silver. And here was what the metalsmith would do. He would use intense heat to fire up an oven and bring that silver or that gold under the pressure of that heat. The impurities would rise to the surface and he would skim them off and he would skim them off and skim them off and skim them off until finally he could see his face shining in that pure ore. And then he would say, this ore is approved. That's what God is doing with you and me. God is turning up the heat. He's calling us to resist the pressure that we might grow strong. And in the process, the impurities of our life, the chaff, are separated and skimmed off. We ask this question in the midst of the pain, why is this necessary? Well, I think we all know, when things are going well, isn't it easy for us to live the unexamined life? Isn't it? so easy to ignore the chaff in our life when everything is going our way. It's so easy to say, hey, everything's going my way. I'm fine. I don't need to change, right? We don't see that we have a problem. You know who that problem is? It's us, isn't it? We don't see that we have a problem. And that problem is us. And God needs to get our attention. God needs to get our attention. He has so much more for us that He wants to accomplish in us and through us. But Sometimes He has to refine us, and the only way is by getting our attention. There's a comment from C.S. Lewis that hits the nail right on the head. And I think he says exactly what we need to understand this morning. Listen to what Lewis said. Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences. But He shouts in our pain. It is His megaphone To rouse a deaf deaf world. And I think we all know that that is true. Pain that we go through of any kind is God shouting to us Hey, you've got a problem. Hey, there's an issue. Hey, it's not okay the way you act. It's not okay the way that you are. And in the midst of that pain, if we will listen, here's what will happen we will grow, we'll become more obedient, we'll get wisdom. The chaff of our life will start to be separated and what will remain is the pure grain that God wants to develop. Now we ask ourselves this question, why in the world is this a cause for rejoicing? Why can He say in verse 3, we rejoice in this? Why is this painful process welcomed by us? I love what a pastor by the name of Croft Pence says. He says, God does not send us through deep waters to drown us. He sends us through deep waters to cleanse us. That's what God is doing. God is cleansing us. He's making us more like Jesus. And who would say here this morning, I don't want to be more like Jesus? Of course not. Of course. We're going to get to Romans chapter 8 and we're going to learn the whole reason why God has saved us is that we might be conformed to the image of His dear Son. We know that's the goal and ultimately it will be perfected in heaven. But if that is the goal, then here's what God is doing. He sends us through deep waters, not that He might drown us, but that He might cleanse us. What a good God. What a good God. Now I want you to notice the last part of this suffering cycle is one that may seem a little strange to us. Notice how it works. Suffering leads to endurance. Endurance to character. Character to hope. And if we understand what God is doing, we rejoice in this. And here's what we say. Look at verse 4. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And we say, how does this process produce hope in us that God will complete the task in heaven? Well, this morning I want to use a little lapel button. That was very popular many years ago. And when I put this lapel button up on the screen, many of you are gonna say, Oh, I remember that. You remember this lapel button? Remember it? PBP G I N F W M Y. How many of you remember that button? Anybody wear that button? Anybody wear it? Okay, it takes a while for it to get up to the UP, right? <laughs> You all know what it means. Everyone knows what it means. Let's read it together. Please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. How many of you have heard that? Of course you have. Now, please follow this because it is very, very significant when we see that we are growing stronger and trusting God, not running away from our problems, but facing them head on, when we see our character is developing, being refined, that we are becoming more like Jesus, you know what that does? It strengthens our hope in this verse from Philippians one. And verse 6. Let's read the verse together. This is the hope that Paul is talking about that the suffering cycle leads to. Let's read it together. I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. At the day of Jesus Christ. By the way, this is an excellent background for this particular verse. The surging waters of suffering. And here's what happens. In those surging waters of suffering, as you grow stronger, As your character becomes more like Jesus and the chaff is being removed and the grain is being refined and brought to the forward, here's what you say, if God is going to this much trouble to strengthen and refine me, then I know He's real in my life. And if He's real in my life, I know He has a great plan for me. And if He has a great plan for me, and He's going through all this trouble in my life right now, then certainly He is going to complete the work that He began at the day of Jesus Christ. Do you see? Do you see? One of the evidences that God is real in your life, you're letting him use the suffering cycle, and you are becoming stronger and better and more like Christ. And all that says is God started a good work in you, and he's going to finish that work, and it increases your hope. Can I say to you this morning, this passage has profoundly affected me this week. I've looked back over my life and I've thought, Lord, why did You permit this? Lord, that was very painful and I, I didn't like it. But Father, I've said, you know, I've got this weakness in my life and I've longed to be rid of it. But it clings to me like Reynolds wrap clings to something that it's put around. And during those times, rather than saying, Lord, You have purposely brought those things to me because of the great work You're doing in my life that You're going to finish someday in heaven, I have chafed against them. I've rejected them. And this week I've talked with my wife, and we've talked about this, and I've said, honey, I realize now I've been seeing myself in many of those situations as a victim and not a victor. And how God has changed my thinking about all that I've gone through. Let me give one final thing as we close this morning. This cycle only works if we respond to troubles appropriately. We need to say that. This cycle will only work if we respond to troubles appropriately. If we do not embrace what God is doing, the cycle will break down. Suffering will not produce endurance. Endurance will not produce character. And character will not produce hope. And so here's what I say to you. Embrace it. Embrace it. Embrace this suffering cycle. Let God have His way in what He is doing in you. Say, I have this confidence, it is a fact, I am not a victim underneath the circumstances of my life. I am a victor over those circumstances. And I know God in His time and in His way is using them for His great purposes. And I will embrace the suffering cycle. I will resist the trials in my life. I will not run away from them. I will grow stronger. And I will let God separate the chaff from the grain that I might be more like Jesus. And if we'll do that, oh, what a great blessing it will be in our lives. Let's bow together for a moment, shall we? And let's pray. I don't know the suffering that you are enduring right now, I don't know the pain that you are going through or have gone through. But I know every Christian goes through the suffering cycle many times. And I know some reject it. Some turn from God. Some blame God. Some wallow in their pain, some whine about their lives and their circumstances. And sometimes we never, we never grow into strong, sturdy, mature men and women of God. And whatever you are going through now, could you affirm to your Heavenly Father, if you are a believer, you are a good God? Could you say to Him, You know what you're doing in my life? You're not making a mistake in the things that you have permitted. Even the things that you have sovereignly sent to me, they come from your all-wise will. And today, Lord, I embrace them. I trust you. I seek to allow them to mold me and make me after your will. I follow you steadfastly and obediently. And I let you be the Lord of my life. Father, today, we are your suffering people. It's sometimes hard for us to say that, to describe ourselves in that way. But we know it is true we follow a suffering Savior and if He suffered, then all who follow Him will suffer as well. And we know it is through suffering that He entered into glory. And we know that it is through our suffering that we ultimately enter into glory as well. And so thank you today that suffering produces endurance, Endurance, when it's had its way, produces character. And character renews our hope that God is not finished with us yet. Please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. And He will surely, certainly, take me all the way to glory. For the job will then be complete. We affirm that that is our faith, Lord, today. And we love You. And we trust You. For Jesus' sake. Amen.